It is officially February, so you know what that means. It is Black History Month. There we go. Yeah. Black History Month. It's our time. Well, my time, I'll say. <laughs> it's your time to shine. Are you ready to honor and celebrate some black people? Always. Do you have an example? Uh, Michael B. Jordan. He is very hot. He's hot. Does that count? Sure. I think that counts. Let's celebrate that. Let's do it. He's hot. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> Um, hi, I'm Maddie Germs. And I'm Sean. And we're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, whatever the hell else we want. And this week, we are talking about film and television examples of therapy, therapists, good, bad, ugly, all of it. Therapists, you want to fuck? <gasps> There's so many of those. I know. I really should see my therapist. <laughs> I've never had a hot therapist on purpose. I understand I know that. better. I, I know I, better. I, I, I know, know myself that. way know too well. Know thyself. Know thyself. <laughs> All right, so for the sub slut, I'm going to play off of a popular trend right now. Okay. What is a therapy scene from a television show or a film that lives in your head rent-free? You got one? Okay, rent-free, rent-free. Um, or like just, you know, a therapist or like a movie you think about often. I know, I get it. Yeah. Um, so the scene in Donnie Darko when he gets hypnotized <sighs> and then um, so good. it's... Very good. And when baby Jake Gyllenhaal starts like just talking about being a horny little kid and then he starts like unbuttoning those jeans and like starts sliding his hand down his pants. I just <laughs> I had so many thoughts going through my head as a child when I was watching that. I was like, one, what the fuck is this movie yeah. about? And then two, I want to be putting my hand down Jake Gyllenhaal's pants. Um, still to this day. Still to this day. Um <laughs> Definitely, definitely still to this day. Yeah. Um, even with this bussy full of beans. More so, if if anything. True. Um, I, I would say the other one, though, is like, you know, that Clockwork Orange one where they have the doctor that kind of like is supposed to mm-hmm. reprogram the criminals and they like stick their eyeballs in the thing and make them watch the stuff and they come out cured. I feel like those two examples are like, boom. What about you? Um, when I, okay. Real Housewives of Atlanta. Okay. And honestly... <laughs> Honestly, a lot of reality television shows because they bring these therapists on usually for like couples therapy. Right. And I don't know. I just find it laughable the whole time. I'm like, A, this doesn't actually look or feel like therapy. This feels like a television production that you're putting on a show for the drama of it all. Yeah. Which is not what therapy should be. Right. But I don't know. They just, they have at least probably two or three episodes every season where there's like a therapy session because there's like this really serious thing going on in their relationship whether right. it's cheating or you ate my bagel and I didn't like it um, and I just I don't know I find them hilarious I like don't take them seriously at all but that aside um, Nicole Kidman in The Undoing <clears throat> oh I, I honestly she was a therapist I know I completely <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> what um, I like that scene where she was um counseling the i think it was a gay couple she's like you don't like to be wrong yeah <laughs> and the yeah. guy just like walked out i cackled and was like this feels accurate to me that was that <laughs> was telling you, you don't want to hear but it's the truth very much that yeah that was funny i forgot about it that. was great also when i think the school was calling because of an emergency and she was like i have to take this i'm sorry oh right and the I guess it was the same gay couple. He or was, was like, somebody "Are different? you fucking, like, are you fucking kidding serious?" Me? And she was like, "Yes, like I wouldn't." This do is this for emergencies, emergency. you little bitch. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, that me was me as a therapist, one hundred percent. Like, uh, I don't care what you think. I'm taking this. <laughs> this is very important. It's about my plans for this evening, so I need you to cool it. Um, no, I feel like my Real Housewives of Atlanta experience is just I've seen, I think almost every reunion episodes, like of the Atlanta one. Yeah. I love reunion shows. I don't like watching often the season because I feel like only two things happen every five episodes. Yeah. And it drives me absolutely. I don't take pleasure from that really sort of slow. Mm. Like, I like the Housewives franchise to some extent, but I want like a super cut. Yeah. I feel like the whole season can always be about three hours. And I feel like the seasons keep getting longer. I feel like at one point they were only like 12 episodes and mm-hmm. now it's like 35. And I'm like, why have I been watching these women like for a full year? Like a full year of their lives. I will watch whatever season is a crossover season. I will do that you in a heartbeat. That yeah. Well, I feel like that's just smart. Will you watch the Housewives of Atlanta reunion with me when it happens? I mean, probably. I watched the Zoom one where Nini like slammed her thing shut. and Oh no, she didn't slam it shut. She like... Closed it just enough for you to know. Oh, that she was gone. <laughs> she was not there. Yeah. Nini's crazy. Um, All right. Well, and what about it? Yeah. <laughs> she said what she said. <laughs> <And> what <laughs> um, okay. I just have like, let's just rattle through this politics bullshit because there's some things, there's some shenanigans. Just because Trump's out of office does not mean we don't have things to I'm talk just about. Say, you said politics is bullshit. And I'm like, politics is always bullshit. Yes. Yep. I don't know when it's not. Okay, yes. And I think that there's times to, like, have more conversation than other times. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, like, a sort of positive thing. We're supposed to be getting $1,400 as, like, what they're saying is that it's a $200 total based off of the Democrats' Twitter account put out a statement that said, based on the $600, they use the language, down payment. As, a, as if to say that they had this long con of being like, well, it's $2,000 total, but 600 now, and then we'll give you the 1400 next year. No, they were shit negotiators for $1,600 and ne- or for $2,000 that, that we got six. And then now that they, they control the White House, Senate, and House, we're only getting $1,400. Democrats are liars. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah. It's so annoying. I thought those chicks already got sent. Is this a different one? The checks did not get sent yet. Oh. That has been the talk for about a week. But, like, there was a final, like, verified kind of push that, like, this is probably coming next week. Got you. I think that this has been dragging on for so long that I had just convinced myself that, like, oh, they figured it out. There's no way they're still thinking about it for this long. Right. No, I know. I mean, whatever. I just, we... It's annoying as fuck. We should have been getting at least $2,000 every month. If you pay people to stay home, they will stay home. Yeah. The reason that stuff is crazy is because... People have to work. People have to work. And fucking California just opened up again. Because you set this country up that way. Oh my God. It's just literally... (laughs) We also are not including grocery workers, service workers in the sort of like first up on the vaccine list. And so we're literally just like sacrificing these like sort of essential employees that like... It is not essential for you to eat a bagel inside Bethany. It's just not. Mark, Great you can to... get your you can get your Caesar salad somewhere else. You know what I mean? Or you can just make one yourself. I mean you could. Save some money. I mean, you could. You can also just take out like we all fucking have been doing. It's just it's annoying. Anyway, I want more money. Um 
the trans military ban has been lifted, which I'm of multiple minds about, you know, like it's, um, there were some other things that happened in Biden's like first, however long it's been 10 days or whatever the fuck that, um, I think there was a stopping of the pipeline. I think that there was like some other climate mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. There was like an immigration conversation. I don't know if anything actually got signed. And then the trans military ban has been lifted. But I, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm never going to like celebrate that. There's never th- a part of oh, me you that- like the bare minimum. The Okay, the bare minimum, but also, why am I going to be happy that queer people can die for American imperialism? Because they are allowed to make that choice for themselves. I mean, I hear you, but I'm not going to... It is the bare minimum, and that, like, anyone should be allowed to do what they want to do, especially working for the government. The government should not be the person offering um, discrimination. But, like, I just... I'm not going to, like... Like, the HRC website and all these other places are, like, progress. And I'm like, I don't think sending trans people to die for, like, what is most often terror upon brown people around the world is just, like, it's just not, like, it's not something that I'm going to be, like, yay, go, guys. You know what I mean? I was... I was going to throw a devil's advocate question at you and then I decided not to because I don't know which way it's going to go. But what I will say instead is, (laughs) um, can somebody explain the rationale behind banning anybody from the military? Like, if shit really hits the fan and people got to go to war, wouldn't you want as many people as possible, like, on your team? I just don't get the idea of, yes, you, but not y'all. Sure. Even when it came, like, to women at one point, like, not being able to be there. It's like, well, like, why? Well, I like, would want as many people over there. Okay, I but would I want mean, people on my team. Think about World War One and Two, where it was, like, discrimination around, like, what ranks you could hold. But, like, black people, please go fly those first planes. We'd love for you to do that. We'll just wait here. You're right. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, so, like, that's the thing to me. Well, is like ban black people from the military. Okay. We don't gotta die no more. Controversial take. Johnny says ban <laughs> black people from the military. <laughs> I just don't want to go if they start drafting. That's how black personal history month. <laughs> Yeah. No, if they start drafting, I'm like, my legs don't work. I'm gonna figure something out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm knocking I'm, somebody up. I'm gonna be very, very public with the <laughs> amount of mental illnesses I've been diagnosed with. Like, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm anxious, unstable. I'm schizophrenic. Yeah. I'm gay. You don't even want me. Yeah. I'm out of shape. You I don't will want suck me. your dick. <laughs> yeah. um, I will run away. I promise I will go MIA. <laughs> what is it? AWOL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Angry women on the lamb. <laughs> that that's like when you're like super mad and you're hiding out. Yeah. That's dumb. Okay. Uh <laughs> all right. Montana is an example. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana um is an example of state legislatures um or state legislation that is happening across several states mainly because there's like a few very conservative uh like lobbying places that write laws but two anti-trans bills all in the same month. Uh, one is a trans athlete ban so that trans folks can't compete. So, like, trans women can't compete in women's politics. Or, oh, my God. What the fuck? I was reading politics. That's why I said that. In women's sports. Sports. Um, so, like... <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. No. no <laughs> shut up. Um, so, 
The idea behind this is essentially, you know, uh, there's two sexes and it's like, they have these conservative people arguing that it's like a bastardization of Title IX when like the interpretation of what this is anyway is already against Title IX. So like that's bullshit. And then there's also um, this trans ban on um, gender affirmation for minors. So very similar to the thing that happened in the UK uh, like a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. I think you remember me talking about that. Um, but this is... The first one was HB 12, House Bill 12. This one is House Bill 13 that says medical professionals um, are not allowed to provide blockers for, which essentially just block puberty from happening from young folks. Mm -hmm. These conservative Christians who literally don't know what the fuck that they're talking about are like, how can you make life altering decisions for children when like, it's not life altering. People aren't performing surgeries on children. What they may be doing is offering blockers so that puberty doesn't happen in a way that could be really harmful for them. And if they want it to in the future, they can go off them. And then most likely their body will like yeah. do some stuff similar to what happens during puberty, just like later in life. Mm -hmm. Most often though, gender affirming stuff in the beginning is just like social intervention so it's like meeting with doctors and implementing social intervention so like going by a different name maybe wearing different clothes having people like acknowledge who you are and these are for young folks and then if you do that for a while then like okay let's talk about putting you on some blockers and like while there's already some fucked up stuff around like kids not having agency and needing to like prove their decisions for years for adults to believe them that's one thing this other thing is that just like what the bill is trying to block doesn't even happen. It's just fear-mongering. And it's just fucked up. And I think that, unfortunately, we're going to see more stuff like this across states as the federal government is now, quote, under control, under the liberal agenda or whatever the fuck. But, like, um, it's also just not true. You know what I mean? Like, we have the, quote, power, and we're not going to do anything with it. We're going to compromise for $1,400. We're going to, like, have a trans ban lifted and, like, call it a day. Have you been listening to anything that's been warming your heart? <laughs> I was going to say, you, I, you don't want my thoughts on that because I was just going to be angry into the microphone. Um, music, we can scream about it. No, I haven't listened to anything. I've just been listening to um, LMA, LMI, LMA. She's British. Oh my black. God. I thought you were trying to say LMFAO and couldn't. <laughs> Never. And every time I say her name out loud, I think to myself, LMFAO, and I think, God, somebody's going to think this and think that that's my musical taste. And it was when I was 20. Party rocking in the house anymore. tonight. Um, I feel like I've never heard it said. I've always said Ella Mai. Ella Mai. Isn't that E-L-L-A -E and then M-A-I. M-A-I. Could be my. It May. could be May. I don't know. Somebody let us know. DM us. I mean, the truth is, I probably won't change how I say No, it. it's not going to matter <laughs> to me at but all. But what, I mean, what song has been speaking to you? Um, a few. So she has uh, another love song. That's her, like, most recent release. It was in the Rihanna Fenty show, this, the second one. Okay. It was really good. Um, it reminds me of, like, 90s R&B. And then Shot Clock from her last album. Oh, and then, oh, what's that other one? Breakfast in Bed from her, like, very, very first EP. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just been going down an L.O. Just been going down a little L.O. Yeah. I don't know. She was speaking to my spirit this week. 
And I was like, let me, I haven't revisited these albums in a while. Sometimes you get on a kick and it's just like, this is emotionally validating and I'm going to run with it. Yeah. What you uh, listening to? Um, well, I wanted to talk about this a few weeks ago. I just kept forgetting about it. But Chase Icon, so she's kind of like internet famous for um, parodying these Lady Gaga videos where she'd like... I was going to say her name sounds very internet famous. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, <laughs> and she had this icon, um, or this icon, this song called Lice, uh, which was very funny a little bit ago. And she also released uh, When Stupid Love leaked she put out this fake leak that was very very funny as well but she finally has her first like kind of like actual musical production hit it's called srs um what's srs now for uh sexual reassignment surgery Ah. she's a trans woman okay um so chase icon is a trans woman and has been very vocal about like getting titties and like changing her face and like all this stuff and was able to do it all on Starbucks healthcare, which is like kind of one of the best thing and GoFundMe's because that's what healthcare is in this country right now. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but Chase Icon SRS, it's very funny. We'll link it. It's a ride. It's like chaos. It feels like a club, but it's like, you know, it's about the dolls for the dolls. I love it. Um, FKA Twigs um, came out with a new song called Don't Judge Me featuring Hetty One and Fred again, which I assume are... She's about to drop an album soon. She has to be. Yeah. She has to be. Her name's popping up way too much. Yeah. And I really like... The video is beautiful. It's essentially another way to talk about police brutality through the lens, though, of a UK black lens versus a US Mm. black lens. Um, And it's her dancing in a way I haven't seen her dance before it's like a different interpretation so as opposed to the kind of like cunt vogue kind of clubby kind of dancing or her you know beautiful ballerina-esque sort of stripping that she pole dancing that she does it's not stripping it's pole dancing um this one is a lot more like it's very active it's very um kind of like fighting with demons kind of thing it's it's a very beautiful video the song is pretty good it's really ethereal and kind of repetitive um, repetitive but yeah. in a in a beautiful way i really liked it that reminds me you said uk like black like sort of a black approach to what's going on whatever you just said sorry i can't vocalize <laughs> it i am struggling That's um that reminds me of a song slash video for pink black girls remix which features any who i've never heard of before but she's uk and then uh georgia smith oh cute. who i think some people know who she is that's like j-o-r-j-a right yeah uh-huh. um uh, got put onto this song it's very much so like just being a black girl in the uk and sort of what that experience is like and sort of the discrimination that happens there as well what is that song called uh ping p-e-n-g cute black girls remix it's a good song i like it i am going i'm writing it down so i can check it out and also so it can be on the list the Spotify um, playlist? Yeah, the Spotify playlist. Check it out. Check it oh, out. Um, the only other thing, Serpent with Feet, which I don't know if you've listened to a lot of their music before. but Nope, like, sounds like the devil. No, it's a black queer musician. <laughs> very, very, very beautiful songwriter. It's very much, um, it's honestly just kind of like, uh, I was going to say something stupid. Like, it's just like poetry and I don't know. It's they write beautiful music, um, and it's their previous album to me really captured kind of like the combination of love and loss. Like that is like what I think about when I think about. I had to be in a very specific state of mind mm. to like really let that Serpent with Feet album like really just get into my bones. 
But they just released this song called Fellowship that's going to be on their new album called Deacon that's out March 26th. But this Fellowship song is, the hook is literally, my friends, my friends. And like, I love how much I love my friends. And it's just, it's just a celebration of that kind of like, queer love that in the video even they're very touchy and intimate so like maybe they have sex sometimes but that's not the point the point is like queer friendship can feel really magical and i i just love the way that this person has celebrated this and it's very simple it i listened to it on repeat for like 20 minutes because like it's just kind of calming and kind of trancey but brought a deep happiness to my spirit um it's a very beautiful song so it will link it and it'll be in the spotify as well as the um rex and resources doc um for tv and film we're the whole this whole episode's about that yeah we'll get into that yeah um honestly though the only other thing that i've been watching is because of flack i like started re-watching true blood for some reason i okay i watched flack i like it it's fine, right? Yeah. It's not, it, like, it, it, profound, it, but it's good. No, it's not profound, but it, like, picks up as it goes on. Definitely, yeah. as you said, those last two episodes. Right. Great. It works. Um, And then, oh, really, though? I mean, just watching Lafayette be on TV, I forgot how, like, <sighs> incredible of a character. Like, and I remember being so sad when he died in real life. Um, I just... Oh. <gasps> I, I know. forgot he I passed know. away. Oh my gosh. Which, I mean, not to like be gross, but there were a lot of celebrity deaths this week. So um, before we talk about that, there was also the death of some people's bank accounts. <laughs> with Wow, that was great. Thank you. With um, the Reddit nerds, they decided to take back some just, power yeah, or something. Yeah, they did. All I know is I just kept seeing GameStop pop up on like my news feed, like my actual news feed, not like Facebook. Um, and was just like, GameStop is in the news? Why? If it's not for a PlayStation 5. Sure. Um, and yeah, I like looked into it. I still don't necessarily know what's going on. Do yeah. you? Can you explain it? Because I'm I mean, lost. I can explain it badly. If you were to ask me to define the stock market i would say that just sound like some rich people shit yeah it's like astrology for straight men (laughs) yeah um which is not my joke by any means but like uh, uh gamestop i I feel like no matter what I say, I'm going to sound like that woman that is in her car trying to be yeah. like, I know what I know what it is. And she explains it and it gets like simultaneously worse. And worse. I you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I absolutely listened to that thinking it was going to explain it to me. And as she went on, I was like, oh, I'm more confused now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like at this point, because it's like, you know, a week later, everyone will have done their research to know what the heck actually happened. Um, but let's just listen to this because it's honestly a very funny, uh, it's funny. So I have been seeing a lot of people online who are like, what is going on with the stock market? Is there anyone who can explain this in normal person terms? And so I decided I want to do that because like I own stocks. So I like have a pretty good understanding of the stock market. And from what I understand, there are these people who are, they have lots of money and they have hedges around their house and they go to the market, but it's like not a real market. It's a metaphor. It's metaphorical, but it's real. And they, um, they go, uh, uh uh-oh, that, 
that company's not doing well, so I want to I'm going to make it do worse. So they um they pull out some papers and they go who want uh who wants to make a deal? They start making deals and they say if the if this price if this company's good, if it stays if it goes down, then I get money from you and if it goes up then I'll give you money but uh they don't tell you that it's not it's not gonna go up I mean they will make it so it goes down but then there was this online reading club that was like oh, well not today we want hedges too and so they took they um went into their bank accounts and then they also went to the market and they were like uh bye 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 of the company and uh changed it a lot and so now uh the initial people the hedges have to um give oh they have to give their hedges i think to the, um, the other people so yeah, if you have any questions, just let me know. Um. Anyway, I love that bitch and I love that video. The that... way that she like sort of painfully, <laughs> like, I know you can't see it when you're listening to it, but the way she like painfully is like, you know, you know, the, you know. the hedges. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I was so like, good. no, girl, I don't know. I don't know, actually. <laughs> she said the game, the, some people in a book club is so fucking funny. Oh my gosh. What a nice laugh this week. I know. Considering that everybody died. Oh. Too many people died. I mean, obviously, whenever we talk about this, it's like there's obviously going to be many, many people that are dying all the time because of the pandemic and yeah. that are not going to get any sort of memory or anything. And then when and then, famous, like, people, famous die, people die, right. So Cloris Leachman died. She died at 94. You know, she's she's doing that Betty she's White thing, around. working until like she started working and never really stopped, which yeah. like good for her. She's been around. Betty White's like 99. Yeah, she just turned 99. Shit. I know. And then Miss Cecily Tyson. Miss Cecily Tyson, black, <clears throat> black actress, pioneer in the cinematic space. I mean, she's black. She, yeah, she has been around. I mean, obviously, way before either one of us was born. Yeah. Shit, before my mother was born, I think. Um, but has really been like a pioneer uh, in terms of sh- sort of showing what the black experience is like on film. And I mean, yeah. especially for back in. I don't know, the 1950s. I don't know if it was actually then. Um, don't quote me. But showing that experience on screen and being able to do that was not easy by any means. Right. I mean, it's still not easy to do that stuff now, but to have, to have done it back then says a lot. And then for her to have sustained that career for decades, continuing to make an impact on the industry and continuing to make an impact on people's lives. I mean, I don't think I was introduced to Cicely until, like, truly, <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, Tyler Perry's Diary of a Mad Black Woman is my first real, like, I'm in the movies with my friends, not here with my parents, and that is Cicely Tyson. (laughs) I have heard her name, but I don't know nothing about this woman, and she acted in that movie, and I was like, whoa, she seems very wise. Um, She she had this power of being on screen and making you feel like she was your grandma, and I'm like, I'm white, and I know that's not true, but like, she makes you feel like um, she's acting like someone you know dearly you know what i mean like even if she's making mistakes or saying something that isn't the best like she often especially in her older age acted as a sort of like 
wisdom person for the character that was being played or whatever. But yeah. I mean, I mean, she was also very wise off screen as well. And I mean, I think an article came out recently from Viola Davis who talked about the impact that um, Cicely had on her life. And I don't know. I want to read this quote because uh, the LA Times has been collecting just like interviews with Cicely Tyson over the years. Uh, and she was speaking a bit about her exp- her experiencing racism in the entertainment industry. And she said, I couldn't be black and not have it impact my career. Very fucking true. Um, I went for years not working. <clears throat> I guess every two years, maybe I'd get a role. Intermittently, I'd find something to do. I just would not allow myself not to work. So she's just been out here striving mm-hmm. and striving for like the black cause and bringing that into her work, which is something I strive to do and something that I think, uh, I don't know, it's really admirable. Um, have you seen, I think it was for, I don't know what day. There's a clip of a bunch of famous actresses who have some sort of Netflix connection who came together and like, it basically sort of reading like a black girl empowerment, black girl magic kind of poem. Mm -hmm. Cicely Tyson is in it and it's very beautiful. Maybe I can put this in. Uh, She says something and it's just, it's very cute. Hey, queen. (laughs) Girl, you've done it again. Constantly raising the bar for all of us and doing it flawlessly. When you've come to learn that all that I have learned, one thing remains the same. And that is, being true to yourself is the key. Knowing your roots and where you come from is also key. Keep that with you always. And always remain graceful even when you fall. There's a sweet justice in knowing that the path you are on was designed for you and you alone. Listen to me. When I say the best is yet to come, keep your chin up high and your standards higher. And remember, you are a queen. Speaking of Netflix, um, if you want to watch Cicely Tyson's last movie uh it's called a fall from grace and it's on netflix it came out in 2020 so that was the last movie she made i bet that's why she was in that Netflix thing because it was like all people who come in contact with recently and she just recently did an interview i don't remember with who like when she turned 94 like a couple of months ago maybe this year i thought she was 96 when she i'm sorry 96 um but I, i assume it was maybe some promo for that movie or something maybe um, whatever it's just it's crazy that she passed away this week because I feel like I just saw her name in the headlines like two weeks ago it sucks I mean she's just such an amazing powerhouse and definitely will be missed um, but shout out to her making it to 96 I'm trying to truly I'm trying to make it there too girl truly I don't even know yeah truly what okay I just had a flash <laughs> because I was trying to figure out what the fuck I was watching last night and I remembered it was Dr. Sleep have you seen that sequel to The Shining? Yes. Okay. I just had this like visual of that old man dying and then like uh, steam, the magic steam kind of coming oh, out of his body. Yeah. And that beautiful little girl. Honestly, that movie was like. It was great. It was pretty good. I it, thought it, I thought I was not going to like that long, movie. It's very it's long. long. I thought I was not going to like it. I thought I was going to fall asleep during it. Honestly, I put it on sure. at like 11 o'clock at night, like high. 
And I watched the whole thing from beginning to end and was like in it. <laughs> the only reason I have not seen it is because I always think about it at that time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this doctor sleep is going to put me to sleep. Yeah, so I yeah. need to, I started at like 830 last night though. I had to take about a 15 minute break to like wash my face face and like mm-hmm. brush my teeth and kind of like. Little intermission. Like, little intermission. <laughs> but um, that movie is pretty good. I think yeah. um, definitely a different tone than the Kubrick one, but I yeah. really appreciated it. You can't recreate Kubrick. No. And I'm happy they weren't trying to do no, that. No, they were trying to. And Stephen King hates that one. And yeah. so this yeah. was more like the Stephen King story that he wanted to tell, um, which is why they get to put Stephen King in front of it instead of just yeah. uh, The Shining. Um, okay. Anyway, two more deaths. More deaths. But I wanted to spend a minute with these just because I've been thinking a lot about them. So yesterday we found out that Sophie, um, so legendary music producer, pop star, trans icon, died unexpectedly at 34. She tragically was um, climbing to try and get a better view of the moon, which is just like the most trans thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, I love that for her that that the moon is mad queer. The moon is mad queer. And like, it's like also... Only queer people talk about the moon. Yes. And, and divinely <laughs> feminine. And I just... I, I obviously in no way wanted her to slip away from us like that. But, um, you know, her music may not, quote, be for everyone. And her music has influenced pop music, especially in a way that nothing has in recent years. Like... That whole hyper-pop PC music kind of deconstructed, noisy sound really was pioneered by her. I know other folks are kind of coming in and taking that up, but, like, she's been working with people, like... And honestly, another trans woman who's been working with a lot of other queer artists, like um, Vince Staples, Cupcake, like, um, Leaf, really known for her stuff with um, Charlie XCX. Charlie XCX. Um, That's how I know Sophie. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the Vroom Vroom EP, like, that alone is just... But she has these beautiful tracks. There's, like, the Lemonade EP, and then her most recent, like, full album, where she's not using kind of, like, other women to be vehicles for her. She just kind of, like, is singing and has that video of, like, It's Okay to Cry, where she just, like, shows off her titties a bit and just is looking gorgeous. And I just... I saw a lot of people writing this week around Sophie making music that felt trans, like the way that she fucked with music's rules and the way that she expressed pain and joy and chaos and beauty all in these like soundscapes that are untraditional. But I think I saw a lot of folks talking about like nothing quite felt able to articulate the trans experience in the way that Sophie did. Um, in an interview a few years ago, she said, for me, transness is taking control to bring your body more in line with your soul and spirit. So the two aren't fighting against each other and struggling to survive on this earth. It's that you can get closer to how you feel your true essence is without the societal pressures of having to fulfill certain traditional roles based on gender. It means you're not a mother or a father. You're an individual who's looking at the world and feeling the world. And it's somehow more human and universal. Um, She worked across genres. She just, she was the future of music and she had so much more to give. And I think last night was one of like the biggest nights in a long time where I was so deeply sad that I could not go out to the club and like dance to Sophie all night long because I would have loved to have done that. Um, 
But uh, also this week, Goddess Bunny passed away. Um, she was a drag persona, disabled trans entertainer, actress. Um, she, you may not recognize the name, but she um, was diagnosed with polio at a young age and then was literally mangled by doctors in sort of like reconstructive surgeries. They like fucked her body up. Um, But um, she did tap dancing, lip syncing, singing. She just was a powerhouse of a performer and roller skate and roller. Oh my God. That is not what I mean. Was in a, was a wheelchair user and um, just beautiful, a model, just like a kind of force of that Hollywood glamour, but on those sort of quote outskirts, you know, um, there's a really beautiful mini documentary that her son made um, that's on YouTube. And it's sort of this like dreamy, almost like David Lynch sort of um, expression of love for, um, for Goddess Bunny. He tells a story about how she like hooked for an entire college team one night and took them all one after one after one. It's like this very, um, it's a very uh, queer understanding of, parenthood and love and i just i really appreciated that um and before we take a break i just wanted to let her sing us in and offer some some moment of reflection this is her singing amazing grace i'm not shy that's not in my vocabulary (laughs) Uh, we are here to talk about more um, pop culture, more pop culture. So therapy <laughs> and movie and movie in movie and TV um, yeah. and movies and uh, film. Why movies, film, television? Those are all the same. Those are all things. different things. Oh, okay, Jesus Christ! All right, it's a Sunday. Um, so we started thinking about this mainly because we had seen the new Euphoria episode and mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out a way to talk about it in a longer way because I felt really touched by it and was also like just really intrigued by it as a clinician watching that clinician work. I was like, what the heck? Um, but then Johnny and I, we started talking about like how therapy shows up in movies and TV in other ways, in great ways, in terrible ways, in scary ways. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think we've talked previously about like how we generally have these misconceptions of therapy either culturally or socially. And I think the way in which they've been portrayed to us greatly contribute to that. So we kind of wanted to break some down that stuck out to us. Definitely not a fully comprehensive list. No, not um, by any means. 
you can check out um, the Rex and Resources doc for some larger exploration into this topic. But we're going to touch on the ones who may like uh, who are kind of sticking out to this the most. Yeah, and I want to say that like I pursued a career in mental health. Not because of therapists on television, but because of the sort of impact that media has on mental health and sort of Mm. we pick up so much from television, whether you allow yourself to believe that or not. Like there's so much shit that you're doing today that you just saw on TV when you were probably like five or six that you don't even understand. Like, yes, your parents contribute mostly to the shit that's going on in your life. But media itself has such an impact on things. Um, I mean... I survived my, like, small suburban North Carolina experience because of film. I, like, had nothing queer around me except movies I had access to. And, like, there's literal science around the therapeutic aspect of cinema Mm -hmm. that, like, um, maybe we can go into more in a different episode another day. But I just, like... There's like this concept of therapy in film and then therapy as film. Yeah. But I I think even one of the reasons that we talk about pop culture is not just to have like something to gab about that's a little maybe more light before we talk. I mean, we talked a lot about death today, but um, it's because of the ways it makes us think about other things. It's because of the ways that these things, this pop culture makes us feel. Yeah. So I just like... I'm just backing you up. That's what I'm saying. I agree thanks, with you. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having my back. Um, well, okay. So I know growing up, what did I, like, I, I watched a lot of black shows, right? So like Living Single, Martin, um, you name it. If it was a black sitcom, I probably watched it. Never saw a therapist on any of those shows. Um, not once. It, I feel like the shows that I usually saw that had therapists in them were, my mom watched The Sopranos. Okay. So I sort of, I saw that here and there. To this day, I have not like watched The Sopranos all the way through. I, if you were to ask me the plot of that show, I just know it's about the mafia. Um, but I do know that there's a oh, therapist wow. on there that, like, like even people when I went to grad school and started working, like she was treated as such, a, as such an example of like, this is like a fictional character, but this is what therapy should look like. And... Like, this is a therapist as a human as well. Yes. I mean, Dr. Melfi, I think, is iconic. Not only because she's a part of sort of the show that changed what mm-hmm. television can be, but also because of the ways that the, the therapy wasn't treated as a joke. She wasn't a manipulator. And she didn't only exist in this show in relationship to that person. She was her own character Mm -hmm. which is what you're saying like the humanness of she had to deal with her own sexual feelings for her client which i know you don't know because you didn't watch the show but like thanks for ruining it oh my god i I was about to like be like that it's been around for like 12 years like what the fuck are you don't spoil it no Um, i'm joking uh but she you know she has her own stuff that then she chooses not to bring into the room Mm -hmm. and she holds boundaries really well there's an episode where tony like smashes shit around and instead of her Instead of getting a rise out of her, she's like, Tony, that is deeply inappropriate, you know? And, like, <laughs> he, she actually gets this apology out of him, which, like, in The Sopranos, Tony Soprano doesn't apologize. You know what I mean? Um, I think, I don't know. 
The Sopranos is absolutely the kind of like go-to mental image of like good. Yes, fictional, but yeah. like quote good fictional therapy. Obviously, right. there's some stuff in there that isn't perfect, but like the way that she mostly is kind of just asking questions and reflecting back versus kind of guiding this person is more what therapy is like than I think it had been shown previously. Right. Whereas like then you have uh who is it? The um Diane Keaton. <laughs> is it Diane Keaton from First Wives Club? Was she a therapist? So she goes to see a therapist, Marsha Gay Harden, who she is cheating on Diane Keaton's husband mm. or with. She's having the affair with. So she's you going see? she's going to the therapist and being like, I'm sad, my husband, I know he's sleeping with someone. And the therapist is like, secretly it's me and then she finds out later that it's the therapist and like that is just that's an ethical boundary you don't cross right. you don't sleep with right. your client's husband yeah you don't do that or you shouldn't you definitely don't sleep with a client which there's been plenty of examples of that um i love the first wives club though i love that reference yeah i just i feel like you have these you have the sopranos you have this like great example and then you have First Wives Club and plenty of other things out there that is like a bad example of what a therapist should be doing, right? And I think that for me, like growing up, seeing those kind of movies, um, A, always white. So I was always like, therapy sounds like some crazy white people shit. Like, it sounds like white people don't have their shit together and they need to like go talk to people about it. Sure. Um, And then you pair that with just the, the general stigma of therapy and mental health like wellness Mm -hmm. in the black community and it's not surprising that like you see you don't see that many people of color like showing up to therapy and even for me i mean i think it takes people a while to sort of convince themselves to go um but that weighed heavy on me it didn't feel like something that was like meant for me and i think that even my first two no my first therapist was a white woman not a great relationship. I mean, it was fine, right? But it was also my first time having a therapist. Um, and I was just like, well, this seems like what I see, like what I see on television, like a middle-aged, maybe older white lady, a couch, some tissues, um, her not overstepping boundaries, but doing things like calling me charming or like complimenting me, sort of giving, and then like giving me the space to not, tell her the truth if that makes sense like it long story short i you could lie to her i could lie to her i could like come in there and sort of not touch on the things that were actually bothering me and she wasn't gonna she wasn't pushing me in any way shape or form or she wasn't picking up on it or she wasn't picking up on it because she was a white woman um and that put like a sour taste in my mouth about therapy but it's also up until that point i don't know it was in how old was I? Maybe 24, 25. Um, so recently. Um, but that happening then for me was like, well, if what I'm seeing on TV is the same shit that I'm getting in this session and it's not helpful, then what the fuck is the point of therapy for me specifically? Because it doesn't seem like something that's meant for me. Um, Maybe unlike the example of like ways that we're seeing I think intentionally there's like a, a specific effort to show more black people in therapy recently. Right. Like insecure. In Molly and insecure. Yeah. 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 Like I love that. I love. Because um, it's not only like the identity and shorthand thing, but also just like 
the decoration of her office is mm-hmm. very black. The books that she has on the shelf are very black. Like, right. It's it's an example of the way in which like the environment that you create helps tell something to your client versus just you as a person in that environment, you know? Which is really important for a therapist because at least in my sort of education and training for it, you divulging things about yourself should be to help the other person out, not just because, you know? Like, you shouldn't be telling somebody your life story if you're the therapist, like in therapy. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? If there's an anecdote that you have to share from your own life, that sort of shows the, um, like, shared values or maybe, like, shared experience that you've had, that you have with your client, then that's a great time to bring it up. I mean, disclosure and vulnerability are very important tools for a therapist to own, and you have to notice... Are you telling this for yourself or are you telling this for the help of your client? Are you telling it for yourself because you feel uncomfortable and you like want to make it conversational to make it lighter for you? Yeah. Or are you telling your therapist to make them feel or you're telling your client this to make them feel less alone? Or are you telling them because you have some insight that's really specific to an experience that you have shared? And a lot of times a really good way is to ask permission. Mm. How would you feel about me sharing something from my life that relates to this right now? Which is what my therapist does now. And she's a black woman. And, you know, you would think she wouldn't have to ask permission to share her black experience with me sometimes. But you should sometimes in therapy. She does. And if anything, I'm just like, yeah, girl, like, go ahead. (laughs) Or half the time she's just like, I get it. Like, you don't even have to say anything. Yeah. Like anything else. And that to me is so much, so much more like warm, like it's warmer. Um... Then, like, a few other things I've seen on TV. Like, um, the, the therapist from Big Little Lies. Oh, I found her extremely cold mm-hmm. and, like, uh, like stringent, strict. Like, I don't know. She just seemed like somebody you absolutely would not want to sit in a session with. Right. And, like, that therapist specifically is kind of strange. Because, like, in season one, I feel like a lot of therapists kind of viewed her and were like, that's actually not a bad representation. You know, like, she has Nicole Kidman and the man, Mr. Skarsgård, oh, true blood, um, coming in for, like, couples therapy, and then she gets her alone one time and actually does, like, a good therapist job of kind of, like, that gentle pushing that's, like, I think maybe you should consider talking to me about the violence that's real in your home and then she let her kind of like divulge that slowly over a few things you know it was like letting her know that this place was safe to explore this thing and then she comes back in session in season two after everything kind of goes down and she has nicole kidman like imagining trauma that didn't happen and then it's like okay bye she has like reese witherspoon (laughs) coming in with her husband I'd be like, Miss Reese, I need to put those spoons down and listen to me. And she's like talking, get it with a spoon. And then she's talking and she's like, I'm not going to laugh at that. I'm that, not going to do it. That's fine. I mean, all the <laughs> listeners did. They're giggling and giggling and cackling and cackling and just so funny. Um, but she's just rude. She's that kind of directive therapist that it's like, to what end? Mm. Why are you pushing your clients so much? Is it to a place that they've said that they've wanted to go in their own goals? Mm -hmm. Or are you just pushing because you get some fucking sick joy out of watching women cry in front of you? And like, I don't know, Dr. Amanda Reisman of Big Little Lies, I feel like she (laughs) was presented to us as like a cool lady therapist. And then we just kind of got like a hard pivot in season two. of Just like, I mean, season two was a hard pivot a little bit in that show, even though I really liked it. It was like, you know, whatever, but... 
Um, is there another therapist besides the Molly example that you enjoy? Yeah, there was. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the show. You're the worst. <clears throat> I used to I've, love that. I've show. seen so many examples of this, and I haven't seen it. Um, I used to love that show. It came on FX, but the um the woman, the main character, who's the woman, I don't remember her name. She had a black therapist. Um, who was played by what's, what's her name? Samira Wisely, Wesley Wiley Wiley. There we go. Who's played by Samira Wiley? And um. Again, another one of these sort of like rare examples of me seeing like a black therapist on television um, and not with a black client, like with somebody else completely different. And I think that she did a pretty good job of sort of she did the best that she could with having a client like that. The show is absolutely set up in a way that's like these people are supposed to just be terrible people. Like, they just don't give a fuck about anybody else. So, like, of course, at a certain point, like, it's... The therapist is meant to sort of go, like, crazy herself with just, like, I can't deal with this. Like, you're just too much. What show is this again? You're the worst. Okay. Um, She doesn't say that, but... I don't know, just another example of there not being much black representation when you're looking at the therapy field. Aside from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Right. Um, Or Married to Medicine. That came on Bravo, too. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm very, like, I had not seen a Bravo show really until, like, a couple years ago. Like, it just wasn't, it wasn't the type of cable that I was watching. But, um, or, it, like, when it became big, I just, like, didn't have cable at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, broadly speaking, to not be specific, I mean, one thing to name and when we're thinking about therapy and film and television is, like, the ways in which, like, psychiatric hospitals sort of play as a whole a villain like like they are like obviously one flew over the cuckoo's nest is a big example but like uh uh, dr loomis in halloween which he's sort of a protagonist but like he's also supposed to be the only one that sort of like understands the serial killer which like is sort of to give you an insight that he's pretty fucked up too or something like that you know um I think um, I love Dr. Loomis in Halloween, by the way. I, that's like one of my favorite like weird character arcs. But um, <laughs> I think um, I think about like just the and I think it's important to, to think about the ways in which that's simultaneously maybe true and untrue. Right. Like we should be having conversations about how psychiatric hospitals often act as an arm of the carceral state. Mm-hmm. Like, um the inhumane treatment that can happen in them is something that we should absolutely be thinking about. And then also if we're thinking about like sort of history of social work with like Dorothea Dix, like this sort of like more humane treatment of the mentally ill or whatever, like, but what is humane? What is autonomy? What does it mean? And how can it be, how can anything be humane if someone's inherent choice is taken away, which is what psychiatric hospitals are. So I think that like, which you like, I feel like, Again, and TV has progressed and sort of leaned out of psychiatry and more into psychology because there's a distinction between those two things. Sure. I think a lot of people, I definitely got confused, right? Because again, television isn't explaining to you that there's a difference between those two things. You're just thinking. Well, not everyone's going to be like a Freudian analyst. Right, right. Like I think that, again, for me growing up, it, it, I always saw psychiatry. And like, if there was couch tissues laying down, yeah, look I away saw, from me. Yeah, but if I saw that sort of counseling, like talking, it was always paired with medication in some way, shape, or form. Uh huh. Oh, and that's that good. doesn't mean 
that that's wrong. Like that's right. definitely a combination that works for a lot of people. Um, but sometimes somebody just needs somebody to talk to. And yeah. sometimes somebody doesn't need that and they might just like need the pills and that's it. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, again, getting that, getting that sort of represented on television, I still sort of have yet to see. I think it's still pretty easy to get those two things confused yeah. and can be a real big turnoff for somebody that like is looking to get counseling. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I feel like some other famous kind of TV examples of something like that is like the the madman therapist that Betty Draper goes to see. His name's like Dr. Wayne. She like, you know, is there and he's being really condescending about who she is as a woman and like mm -hmm. holds these very rigid values of what womanhood is. And then when Don Draper calls to ask insight about his wife, he just tells her because it's like the betterment for the woman Not to have okay. like a healthy home so that a man can know it's like that's an ethical boundary that you don't cross. I feel like another example of that is uh, Girl Interrupted. So Jeffrey Tambor plays the therapist to all of our favorite ladies, Angelina Jolie, Brittany Murphy, etc., etc., And, you know, gives one a borderline, um, a borderline personality diagnosis because she's promiscuous. Promiscuity in a woman is inherently crazy yeah. you know like only gay men can do that oh god um <laughs> but yeah i think that those are like more traditional examples and then honestly when you were thinking when you were just saying the thing about like uh you know just kind of talking and being a friend i feel like something that's like good and bad about that is like did you ever watch freaks and geeks i did not okay i love freaks and geeks it's an amazing tv show um but jeff rosso is the school counselor in that he has loose boundaries. He's kind of like the hippie sort of guy. And mm. um, there's some good things about that relationship and that like he kind of isn't really judgmental on the kids. He's kind of just like softly challenging them. He's doing that adult thing of like trying to be a friend and yeah. like, and the problem is that like sometimes therapists, when they try and make people feel like they're their friend, what happens is then a client feels like they need to like perform for them. Right. They don't need to like, they, right. they need to like, oh, we're so tight that now I'm going to treat you how I treat my friends, which unfortunately might be pathological. <laughs> like, you know, like, and so like, it's good to sort of have this sort of neutral body that yes, is like filled with care, but there is danger in dipping into that friend territory. Yeah. But I think that show, and then also on 13 Reasons Why, Mr. Porter, he's the, um, he's that hot black man, which that show's a mess, but like, you know, he's implicated in that because she comes to him reporting her assault, and he's like, well, if you don't give me a name, or if you don't tell me, I can't really do anything, you just kind of have to deal with this. And that was like a deeply fucked up reaction, but I think what both of these shows are kind of missing in a larger way is how school counselors are underfunded, mm -hmm. under-resourced, and sometimes the only ones that sort of like, I'm also talking about real life necessarily than these depictions, but I, what's lacking from these depictions, I think, is like the ways in which sometimes counselors can really see what's going on systemically and can really see what's going on in the heart of these kids, but are trying to deal within this punitive system around expulsions and absences yeah. and demerits and whatever the fuck. And then also like the boundaries of non-disclosure that happens between a student disclosing something and if they aren't a quote like harm to themselves or harm to other people you legally can't talk to the parent about it or talk to a friend about it you know it has to be that which is a good thing that's an ethical boundary that's a good thing yeah. but there's still limited resources for school counselors they're often one person seeing oh how God, many hundreds so of students many. like 
So I think that, you know, it's <laughs> oh really easily for but, school counselors to get like a, a jokey rap because like that reminds they're goofy. Me but. Of, um, I, this is so random. This week I was watching, or actually no, on Friday I watched uh, Orange County. Do you remember that? Oh, that movie? Yeah. With uh, Jack Black? With Jack Black and- Who's the skinny fuck? And uh, Colin Justin Hanks. Long. Oh. No, it's Colin Hanks. But oh. he looks like Justin Long. I, I can believe see that you. happening. Um, anyways, Lily Tomlin is in it, who I like completely forgot. Love her. Existed. Does she play a therapist in that movie? <laughs> she plays the school guidance <laughs> counselor and completely like misinforms the college that the kid wants to go to so he doesn't get into the school. Like it's just a like she's just like a mess. Um, but sort of proves that point. Like she's a mess. Like her desk is just a bunch of papers because she's seeing so many students and she calls him somebody else's name. And he's like, no, my name is like Ben. And she's like, yeah, that's what I said. Brad. <laughs> um, and he's I like, you sent my wrong me. shit off. And she was just like, no, I didn't. And he was like, yes, you did. Anyways, just a funny point about guidance counselors, school counselors being exhausted, overwhelmed and underpaid. And, yes. you know, Kooky stuff happens when that happens. Kooky, ooky, spooky. I agree. I think um, that's that's very funny. I had completely forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, um, I would never remember it if I hadn't randomly turned it on. <laughs> I mean, something recently, I think, too, is like thinking about like Ben Harmon from American Horror Story Murder House, who's oh this God. like, he moves his family to be a therapist and he's just a terrible therapist. Not intuitive enough He's to, speaking to, to know he's speaking to dead people the whole time wild enough to institutionalize his wife because she like reports a rape that happened also fucking bruce willis from the sixth sense also has no idea he's talking to dead people stupid fuck and have a lot of shit to work on oh stupid like let's get 100 percent like real therapists are human beings they have their shit that they are dealing with as well absolutely but But there's also ethical standards right there are ethical standards they should be following and they should not be bringing their shit into your session human fallacy exists across all professions and in many ways i mean we have you know sort of evil representations of therapists i mean we haven't even talked about hannibal lecter yet which like (laughs) the most evil the most evil and like in the tv show or in the movies i love that hannibal kind of exists in this post therapist world where he's just like so in tune to the psychology of people that he can read and manipulate people and that's i think something that people fear about therapy is that they're going to be manipulated by some maniacal hannibal lecter person that's why i went to therapy went to school for therapy sure i just want to learn how to manipulate manipulate everyone (laughs) weave my web and then i I learned that i could do that without going to school amen um (laughs) but i mean hannibal lecter iconic i will honestly say though i prefer the tv show hannibal Yes, because yeah, that yeah. was like sexy therapy. Very he was like queer. Are we going to kill each other? Are okay. we going to fuck each other? Or am I going to make you kill yourself? <laughs> Those are like the three. And outcomes. then I'm going to have sex with your dead body. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't mean to be so excited about that. But like, <laughs> that, that show, it just like the sexual tension in all of the like murder. And also like that show is also a cooking show. But um <laughs> That show's all over the place, but it does it well. Like all in a good over the way. place. I mean, and also, how can we forget Miss Lisa Kudrow and web that therapy? That is, I'm so happy that you brought that up. Predicting that, the future. Yeah. Telehealth. That show is so hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love the format and the premise of it. Like, literally, her she just, just like closes <laughs> windows and opens another one. <laughs> we're just on, like, essentially Zoom calls. But yeah. this, like, show premiered back in, like, 2008. 
eight, I think. It's like yeah. a decade old. Um, her just on Zoom calls on three minute sessions because it was a web series at first. Yeah. And then I think Showtime picked it up and like made it an actual series. Right. Fucking hilarious. Um, but a, that for me is also an example of a show showing you exactly what therapy is not supposed not. to be. Yes. And knowing that that's what it's, what right. it's trying to get across um, is helpful. And also these are good examples of things like you know, if they're not good examples of good therapy, it's good to know, whoa, this therapy reminds me of this bad example in this movie. Um, maybe I need to talk to my therapist about that. Or maybe I need to drop them or find a new therapist. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think that there is some tool to watching therapy that just like isn't quite right. But if it's resonating with you a little bit, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, talk about that. Yeah. Explore that at your next session. <laughs> um, I feel like... Before we get... To, oh, one that I just really wanted to mention that's also, like, a comedy is um, Mary Brown and But I'm a Cheerleader. Have you ever seen But I'm a Cheerleader? Yes, absolutely. When yeah. I was younger and... I rewatched it recently. my sort of sexuality. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a very funny camp movie mm-hmm. about the horror, horrible therapy. thing that is conversion therapy. Yeah. And so, you know, Mary Brown is this therapist who says you can ungay yourself in five steps and you like role play these traditional gender roles. And there's like shockers where if you're having like lesbian thoughts and then that one girl who's like into like pain a little bit is like masturbating with it. Like I just, I love that movie. <laughs> I love that depiction of a very fucked up thing in a comedic way, which I think is a way, honestly... Honestly, watching that movie as an adult is one of those ways of, like, that's therapy in film, but also therapy as film for me. Because, like, it's about, like, sort of taking the piss out of this thing that all of these people in real life that engage in this sort of thing take it so deeply seriously. And that movie forces you to take nothing seriously. Mm -hmm. And while I think that there's obviously you know, some things to gain and drop from that, like, I, I love the power of sort of, like poking fun at this like deeply horrible thing but like um okay do you want to talk about euphoria now yes i was just gonna say i think that all of this leads to this jules episode of euphoria which the first time we get mental health she's being locked away by her mom for being trans do you remember that right right and so now we see her with this therapist who's like the best dyke from looking the best character in that show Oh yeah, that maybe that's what she's from. Yeah, Doris. Maybe that's, I think it's her okay. Name. I was trying to remember like where that I remember voice her. is so distinct and yeah. so sexy. Yeah. She is such a sexy. Voice. So I watched this episode last night after like avoiding it because I was just like, I it's Euphoria. I have got to be in the right headspace for Euphoria because sure. if I watch it and I'm not in the headspace, I'm just gonna be sad. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the first four minutes was just like, oh, I'm I'm in. And like, this already seems right. Like It's this... a memory eyeball with Lord. <laughs> and like, speaking of uh, therapy in cinema and then cinema as therapy, like yeah. that episode, I think, is also a perfect example of that. Like, I had goosebumps the whole time that I was watching it. And while I don't necessarily identify with Jules's experience. Mm-hmm. Like there's still a lot of stuff that happened in there and a lot of the questions that the therapists were asking that I was like, yeah, like now yeah. I sort of want to go examine these things about my life. And yeah. also being able to sort of examine that there evaluate that therapist's sort of approach to Jules uh seemed spot on. Like yeah. there was so much respect in that room. There was so much like 
I'm gonna ask you a question and then I'm gonna let you have the floor. And even like, if you stop talking, I'm not gonna immediately jump in with something to say. I'm gonna let you sit there and fuel the thing. Uh, which is also just in terms of storytelling, like the close up of the close ups of Jules's face, like when those moments happened, when the theory was like, I'm me. not gonna say anything, I'm just gonna like let you sit with that and think for a bit. Just it was perfect. Yeah. I like I can't really call if you're looking for something to watch that sort of I think is a great example of what an actual therapy session could be. Could be. Yeah. This would be it. I feel like my best therapy sessions, both as a client and as a practitioner, have looked something like this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nothing is perfect, and it's TV, so they're trying to like advance the character story a lot by allowing them to learn a lot in this sort of yeah. entry intake session or whatever. So it's it's sort of condensed. I imagine that in real life, maybe something like this would happen over like three or four episodes, you know? But I think the tools used are still deeply profound Mm -hmm. and really good examples of how a therapist guides and reflects and allows you to kind of see patterns that you are articulating but you're not seeing like the way in which at the end she's sort of obviously there's some spoilers here if you haven't seen this but we've been talking about this for two weeks that we were going to talk about it so fuck off (laughs) um the way she kind of is like we get this reveal that Jules's mom is not not in her life because she hates her being trans, yeah. but because she's an addict and has been in and out of rehab. And then that relationship is what's defining the block with her and Rue and the, the ways in which... Ugh, yeah. So good. The way and she the, brought it up and brought it up in such a non confrontational like no. judgment like she literally was just like and Jules face is shook when she yeah. says it she's like oh <laughs> like just like, face crack well is it not yeah like she's like oh Rue loves you like your mom loved you and she's like excuse me yeah she's like well your mom's an addict ruining your life in these ways and also was the only woman in your life who saw you for you and Rue is like, and Jules is like my which is blood. how my ass knew I went to school for this shit because before she even said that, I was like, oh, I would point this shit out. Yeah. <laughs> and she lets it sit for a while. She doesn't jump yeah. in. I think that's what's the really beautiful thing is like, even as an audience, and this happens as a therapist too. Sometimes a client sits down, they say something in the first five minutes and, and you're, you're like, like oh, that's it. I know what it is. Yeah. But you can't do that because you have to let a client tell it to you mm. and you just tell it back to them. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the kind of magic is of like, Oh, yeah. or or you hear them saying the same the thing without saying the thing, and you ask that one little why, or why do you think that's true, mm-hmm. or why don't you think that's true, and then that they can make the connection themselves. Yeah. And I love that this episode allows her to do that. I mean, even at the beginning. So this is essentially an intake session, which I've definitely had an intake sh- session where I kind of am like more timid and not really saying anything. I'm just kind of answering questions. And then I've had the other kind of intake session where I'm like, listen, let's get into this. I want to talk about some shit that is happening now, but I need to tell you this backstory. So we've got 43 minutes. Let's go. And I'm just going to spill, you know? Which is also like cool about this episode because it's, um, it's an intake session, but 
I forget what Jules said exactly, but she essentially said something like, oh, like talking about my mom right now might be like a lot for like this session or for like you. She's like, it's about childhood shit, but honestly, that's a lot. So let's talk about that later. And I think that. And then she ends up talking. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, And I think that misperception about therapy is your first session with a therapist does not absolutely always have to be this like telling everything tell me everything from like when you were born till now yeah and i've experienced that like my current therapist who i've stuck with for the longest like our first therapy session was me talking about work and then like breaking down crying about that and i how long have i been seeing her now shit it's almost been a year actually now that i'm thinking about it and i would say like maybe over the last two months we've started talking about my parents and my upbringing so like it's been a little bit of the reverse which has worked for me and has been nice versus like leading with that up front sure and i I mean it can also depend on what your background in therapy if you've had a therapist that you were with for a long time and you really explored a lot of that you may not need to necessarily start over with someone new. You might just be able right. to take that learning and move it into something else. But then, you know, you reach another point where there's new stuff to learn about your family. And so it's a year in and now you're talking about it again, you know? Which I think is why being a th- an important part of being a therapist is meeting your client where they're at. Where they're at and not trying to dictate yes. their journey. Not And I think that, again, misperceptions about what I've seen on television and film and just in media... I think my fear had always been around, I don't want somebody dictating my like mental health journey for me. Right. Like I feel like I know what I want to work on. I need that whoever I'm talking to, to meet me there and be down to like help me out with those things. Right. Versus you need to start here and do this. Um, and I've gotten that now. Yeah. I mean, I think a good example, because I think uh, we're talking about what we liked. I think just trying to give some specific examples if you've seen the episode. So when it comes to a, a minor and you have a minor that a sort of, it's not court ordered, you know, the, but the parent and is obviously sending this child to therapy for a reason. Mm-hmm. Jules has run away mm-hmm. and is like, come back. Things are not great. So the therapist obviously opens. It's, it's like, you ran away. What's up with that? And Jules from that moment is like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, that's too heavy for right now. I don't want to talk about that. And I love that the therapist, um, she's played by Lorraine Weedman, by the way. That's what her name is. Um, but she doesn't really push. She asks why once. Mm-hmm. And then Jules kind of starts to talk about it. And then she realizes that she's talking about the thing she just said she didn't want to talk about. And she's like, wait a minute. I said I didn't want to talk about that. And then the therapist is like, okay, we don't have to. What do you want to talk about? And I think like... I love that that love is it. like little invitations and then also respective boundaries and little invitations and explorations and exp- and I love it because boundaries. the client is the client is the one taking themselves there right you know and right. like Jules was catching herself um and then once it happens like three times that's when it became sort of like a like this is what the work is that they were working on I guess right. it's what you sort of realize yeah I hope we get more of her in, in future episodes in, in episodes yeah. Two. yeah or even like if we get another jewels because i mean that show normally like follows one character at a time so well therapy and shows like that is such a great i mean it's exactly what it was for this episode like it's a great sort of uh what am i trying to say like story narrative yeah um it allows it to be narration in a script mm-hmm. for like what a character is thinking right differently than a book that where you can't do that and like the character is thinking this you kind of have to have to find a way for a character to reveal 
a secret and therapy is often a really easy way to to, to reveal a secret yeah um i also really loved that like when we were talking about reflections there's a section of it where jules is sort of talking about you know what she should or shouldn't be doing and and the th- uh, one way to sometimes help a client realize them what, that what they're going through is fucked up without like kind of being like, what the fuck <laughs> is like saying something like, it sounds like you're having a really tough time right now. Or one of the things that she says is the main thing I heard is how hard you are on yourself. Cause Jules goes on this one thing about this long kind of tangent about mm-hmm. like life being tough. And instead of kind of following all these little sort of red herrings of things that the therapist could follow. She knows that the thing that is really to learn from this is that Jules beats herself the fuck up. And so she's just like, wow, you're so hard on yourself. And Jules is like disal- disarmed by that and be like, yeah, I I mean, maybe let's talk about something else, you yeah. know? And Which like, is, I, it's again, like, it's just such, that is good therapy. It's like, yeah. it's you listening, summarizing succinctly the thing that somebody said and not necessarily running off with like the small detail that the client threw at you because clients are going to throw all kinds of distractions and small i do it all the time i'm like i'm gonna try to avoid talking about this thing by talking about everything but the thing yeah and then when the i tried to do that with in therapy on friday it did not work <laughs> it does not, and it, <laughs> right and a good therapist won't let it work it's like all right i'm like i heard all of that and i took this nugget away you want to talk about that maybe instead of like all this other stuff like when i find myself sort of talking about oh this is what my week was this happened and then this happened and then this happened um my therapist's ability to like take all of that and be like so you haven't really like told me what you want to talk about in this session Mm. but you're talking about all these things um Like, do you maybe want to discuss XYZ topic? Or, like, what's the goal within that? Yeah. Like, what is the learning? Like, I see I see this thread between the four things that you just mentioned that you see don't see a thread in. Do right. you see that thread? Right. Like, that's another way to ask questions of people is, like, one of my favorite things to do as a therapist is just kind of be like, hey, especially with new folks, like, you know, I have training. I have experience and some insight. And I'm a human being and I am wrong sometimes. Yeah. And you know what? I love being wrong. But the only way I'm going to know I'm wrong is if you let me know I'm wrong. Exactly. And then we can explore other stuff together. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like an invitation for feedback. Um, two tiny little subtle, subtle, subtle things that I loved that she did in this episode was Jules at one point is talking, 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 stops, sort of does that like look to the side kind of thing, mm-hmm. like she's about to say something and then doesn't. And then the therapist says, what was that thought? And I... It's such a simple thing. And I feel like there's this like sort of larger thing where therapists either just ask, and what do you feel about that after everything you say, which is bad therapy. If that's all your therapist does, you can get some learning out of that, but it's not the best therapy. Or they sort of tell you what's wrong with your life and how to fix it. Yeah, Good therapy is somewhere in the middle. (laughs) It's it's asking questions to tell you maybe ways that you can um, find good things in your life. But the other thing that I thought was such a subtle, beautiful moment was Jules like puts up her arm and is like, I've got this like implant thing and the therapist names the specific medicine that it is she's like oh yeah i don't know i can't remember what the name like loratadil or whatever and jules is like yeah and what that did in that moment is it allows the client to know especially this trans client that she does not have to explain transness to her therapist and that is exactly what i meant when i said um 
while I don't share that identity with Jules and I, it's just, I don't, um, there's still a lot that I felt related to that. Yeah. And I think that again, I'm just like going to fan, I'm just going to fan girl my therapist. Um, cause she's great. Um, again, in that first session with the therapist I have now, 10 minutes in, um, when I was crying about a certain person, she immediately was like, let me just take a guess. Like, is this person, honestly, fuck it, was like, white. is it a white man who has lived in Oregon his entire life and went to O of U and like thinks he just like runs shit because he like lives in Portland and has lived here his entire life? And I was in like sobbing, which is like, yes. <laughs> and that was it for me. I was like, she got that in 10 minutes just yes. because I was crying about like how miserable I was. Yes about a certain person um and i again just sort of the mirror the seeing that sort of mirror in euphoria last night was just like again i had goosebumps and was like fuck that's amazing and i mean i i i appreciate what you saying some of that because like there were definitely moments within this i mean when jules says you know i didn't know how to accept it because the at the end of the day i had no idea if it was real, because why would someone love me as much as I loved them? And then it flashes as she says that to when the door closed on her when her mom walked away. And that I was like, I was like, oh no. <laughs> like I'm, oh, I'm no. I was like, oh no, I'm upset. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I gotta talk to my therapist this week I about know. that. <laughs> but like, I actually really, I think I might email my therapist and be like, I know you don't watch TV, but like, can you please watch this so we can talk my about this? My therapist doesn't watch TV. He doesn't really watch TV. I'll make, I've gotten better though, where like in therapy, I'll be like, also I'm seeing a straight man, which I think has been mostly fine. It's mm-hmm. been like kind of challenging, but in a lot of ways, not challenging in a bad way. I think for me and personally, it is actually good to have a therapist across difference so that I'm not like cutting off everyone that doesn't look like me or feel like me. I can be shown through this therapeutic relationship yeah. that some straight men can understand. I don't know if that's a forever thing, but for right now I'm finding it sort of useful. Um, but I've gotten better about like not providing examples to him with film and television because he just looks at me blankly and I'm like, you've never seen that before, have you? And he's like, I don't, I don't. He's like, I literally do not know the words you're saying yeah. right now. The other day I like <laughs> was, I caught myself about to explain something and then I was like, wait a minute. He was like, what? He did that thing of like, what was that thought you let go? And I was like, I was going to explain this to you in terms of this way. And I know you haven't seen it. And he was like, good job. <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, similarly, I want to wrap up soon. But similarly to you, while Jewel's story is not specifically my own, I don't have a specific trans experience where I'm on hormones or, or not taking hormones or thinking about going off of hormones, which was like, with the trans narrative that is happening in the media right now, very much of like, quote, born in the wrong body and then making medical transitions and social transitions to have like the coolest trans girl in America right now kind of name. I might go off hormones like that is so fucking badass. Like yeah. it's so that is the type of conversation like I'm sure you know what I'm talking about with maybe within the black community or like this happens in the gay community too of like that's the kind of like conversation you have in your house you don't mm. let them hear that conversation right, that's a conversation right. for each other that type of conversation is a conversation the dolls have all the time but like isn't necessarily a public conversation about mm-hmm. sort of this like and it's not detransitioning it's like finding a different way to be a woman <laughs> you know what I mean and um But that being said, there were aspects of being this sort of like non-binary trans umbrella that I fall under where 
Jules is talking about not wanting to exist in a femininity that's only for men. And then also not wanting to exist in this masculinity that dips into the type of men that she was creating an identity around, which she thinks are dumb and uncreative and stupid. Like she just she drags said that, men. When I tell you, I clapped in this house. Because I was like, I it's hate true. Me. It's true. <laughs> but like, you know, she also talks about the ways in which like women police each other to still please men. And mm-hmm. she's offering mm-hmm. the fear of puberty in this fear of broadening and we think of broad as broad shouldered and 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 broad all my words are getting twisted just because i'm so deeply moved by this transition that she offers into like but then i think about the ocean and the ocean is broad and the ocean is powerful and it's just that shot of a wave coming over her and her titties and i'm just like the only person that could have ever written that is a trans person yeah and a lot of the dialogue came from hunter schaefer's own diaries that she had been writing and she wrote this with sam levinson and she talks about how during the pandemic you know she was at a point where she was like looking up psychiatric institutions and was like i'm not doing well i think i might need to check myself in to really get like you know i got nothing else going on my main big show i'm not doing runway shows and i'm not filming euphoria so maybe (laughs) skipping out to go to mental health school is a good good idea um and she was saying at her lowest point as she was doing that as she was researching that sam called and offered the idea to kind of co-write this thing and she was talking about how instead of going to a hospital she wrote this episode with sam and i just i feel it Which in my bones when i'm watching it you know preface works for her oh absolutely i'm so sorry yeah i think that we've talked about the demonization of psychiatric hospitals because i think that there is something especially when there's without a choice but if there's choice within the matter and there's like an understanding mm-hmm. like that's sort of a different thing um absolutely absolutely i think thank you for saying that because i do think that there's something very very important about needing to do what you need to do she's a rich person presented with different opportunities <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah like um so but for hunter schaefer to be able to articulate some of these things that i've only really seen talked about or had people talk to me about over a cigarette on our front porch within friendship is like it moved me so much and i I just love this episode of TV so much. And I, I loved the Rue episode too. I love the conversation about addiction and the kind of back and forth and the sort of informal therapy that that was being offered. Yeah. But of After course, the white episode. girl is going this more white girl route. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love that the the duality of those two things. Like, I think Tim in the Senate was like, oh, okay, this is going to be like a one-on-one sort of situation. Like Rue, they're just in different settings, but still accomplishing the same thing which is like a deeper discussion around that person's identity and their experience yeah which i'm all i'm here for that in any sort of format absolutely and so uh why don't you shoot us a dm let us know some tv or movie therapists that you love yeah let us know ones that you hate uh i like i said we really only kind of scratched the surface trying to cover like all of tv and film therapy representations but I hope we I hope we got some of the queer good ones anyway. Yeah. Um, let's take a break and we'll be back with some meds. We're almost ready to come back again. Speaking of psychiatry. What? Let's take some meds. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm on bupropion. I'm on nothing right now. 
Good for you, baby. We'll see maybe one day. What are you taking socially? Okay, in honor of Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I didn't know this is... I feel like I have not been tapped into anything this last like week or two, which is not a surprise because this happens. This feels relatively niche. <laughs> uh, www.whitepeoplewontsaveyou.org. What does it sound like? Just <laughs> white people won't save you. Oh my god, hold on. White people won't save you. Here we go. White It's really excellent. It is literally just a loop of that. Over. Describe what the videos are. And then it's just white people. <laughs> it's all white savior films. So it's I like everything from Django Unchained to The Help to like really blood to Blindside. Blood Diamond. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, what is this I'm looking at right now? Meryl Streep doing something. It's, it's great. And it goes on for like. Spencer showed it to me and I was waiting for it to end and it doesn't end. No, it doesn't. It, it I, just goes on and on and on. I and watched on. it on my phone for I think like five minutes straight thinking that like, A, I thought that the chorus would stop and it would turn <laughs> into something else and it just kept going and oh, I was I like, oh, this is amazing. It's Please very funny. go to that website and just watch it for an hour if you want to. It brought me so much joy. Um, thank you, Spencer. It brought me so much joy. It's I wasn't good. expecting it at all. It's really... Um, it's really effective and that it its message is simple and it, it's not jokey right like it's a serious thing but it, it takes this sort of jokey way to really hammer something home like there's a time where like you're watching it like a minute and a half in we're like this isn't fucking funny anymore and then it kind of like gets funny a little bit again because you realize it's been going on for seven minutes yeah like, but like the, but like and just the sheer amount amount of films that because are it, white savior films. Yeah. I mean, some of these I don't even know, but the fact that they found this much content to right. keep this on a loop for so long, like, to keep the song on a loop for so long, right? it's just, it's great. And I love a simple message. Make white people uncomfortable. White people won't save you. Are we moving that into 2020 yeah, as well? Yeah, I think now, twenty. well, 2021 is just going to be white people won't save you. Okay. And I think that the Capitol riot should prove that to everybody. White people are not here to save nobody. <laughs> not even themselves. Not even themselves. That's crazy. <laughs> y'all don't even want to save yourselves whatever what what meds are you taking oh, i'm just like sitting with that <laughs> um, uh literal meds i um i have the opportunity to be able to get the vaccine tomorrow so i'm doing that shout out i feel excitement around it and really i'm only saying it just because i want to be transparent about it and let other people know that, you know, at least this person is finding themselves safe. I'll let you know if I grow, you know, a fourth leg. Please do. Get You'll it. You'll be right. Because we got oh three. Get it? Do you get it? <laughs> What's the homework? Nope. It's time to go. <laughs> We're in the, the park. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> Me neither, bitch. Join the club. <laughs> uh, homework this week. I actually wrote this out for once. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Is journaling time kind of journaling kind of just like sitting with your thoughts and feelings about things so this episode we talked a lot about uh therapies representation in the media um and what i want you all listeners to do is to think about that as well as just sort of the mis the misrepresentation and misconceptions about therapy that we've all that we've all sort of had um 
growing up and just throughout our lives. I think that obviously in 2021, therapy has, oh my God, sorry y'all. Blue just like farted. And scared himself. Scared himself, which happens all the time. But that was like. (laughs) Jolene does that every once in a while too, but like just kind of like, he he jumped up. He like, it was like a cartoon jet propulsion. Oh my God. I've never seen him like, that sort of surprised with I think he was just fully asleep. Is yeah. What he, like, wow, that was very funny. Okay. Back on track with the homework. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to review your experience. <laughs> You're crying. It's <laughs> funny. Um, review your experience. I want you to review your experience with therapy. Um, actually, let me back up a little bit. There's sort of two routes to this. If you're somebody that is in therapy right now, you're going to take one track. If you're somebody that is not in therapy, you're going to take the other track. So track one, if you are in therapy, I want you to review your experience with therapy and evaluate how it's different or accurate to what you thought it would be like uh, when you first started. So like just sort of pick apart like what you thought it was going to be like before you went in there and maybe how it's different or the same. Who knows? And then, um, some questions you can maybe ask yourself are, were there misconceptions or inaccuracies based on your upbringing? Um, are your expectations being met? I think you need to always be asking yourself that when you're in therapy, because if you don't feel like you're doing the work you need to be doing, why are you still there? Um, and then once you've sort of like picked apart those questions, think about what some takeaways are that you can carry with you and then how you can use those takeaways to help others love that simple um and if you are not in therapy track two is this is what you're gonna do um i want you to review your current thoughts and feelings regarding the potential experience of therapy and just write them down um we can't make you go to therapy like we just can't um but what i can do and what maddie can do is sort of push you to become a little bit more aware of your thoughts and feelings around that experience um so that you're not sort of subconsciously making decisions um that are driving you in a direction you might not want to go if that makes sense i love that i think therapy. i mean we think therapy is a positive sort of life-changing experience so regardless of anything we'd hate for you to miss out on an experience like that so if anything just examine it a little bit hey yo ask yourself the questions ask yourself the questions which is kind of what we were talking about last week with shanti which thank you shanti and marquee for letting us use their music and thank you qbt pod fam ali carlos and kiana for helping us with so many things we're in so much debt we're so sorry (laughs) um big thank you uh to everyone who's been writing reviews, please continue to do that. Um, you can follow us at QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I want to finish this redacted drag race episode. Um, oh, yeah. Because I need you to see this ending. I like cannot wait for you to see this face. Really? I the ending is so good. Okay, let's go watch it. All right, bye. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit.